Well, I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles once again to First uh, Thessalonians chapter three, beginning in verse eleven. First Thessalonians chapter three, beginning in verse eleven. As we continue our uh, look at the uh, book of First Thessalonians, continue our study on this, and. Um, you know, as we looked at last week, last week we looked at the fact that, uh, you know, we're reminded of uh, how Paul and his team uh, were driven out of Thessalonica. In fact, they were driven out of all of Macedonia. And so as they were driven out of there, they were threatened that they could not come back. And I believe not only were they threatened, but the uh, Christians that were there in Thessalonica, they were also threatened that you better not let them uh, come back. And so as we recognize this, it was a, they, were, they were in a position within their life where they could not come. They, they couldn't come to minister to the church of Thessalonica. At least Paul couldn't come. And so he longed to be with them and desired to be with them. And so what did he do? He sent Timothy on over there to to check up on the church to see how they were doing because remember they're new believers there they just received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior Paul had only spent two weeks with them very short amount of time with them so he was he was fearful uh, that they had fallen away but he was rejoicing in the fact uh, that he would re had received the good news from Timothy that they indeed had not fallen away and not only had they not fallen away they had grown tremendously in their faith and so now here Paul is the Apostle Paul, he's in this position. He still wants to go to be with them. He still wants to go and uh, 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 minister to them. But right now, it is an absolutely impossible situation. And so uh, this morning, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's prayer. And so as we look specifically at that prayer, we're going to be looking at, you know, God making the impossible possible. I mean, you know today that God can make the impossible possible. Amen? It doesn't matter how impossible we look at a situation and say, well, that just can't be done. We just cannot do it. There's absolutely no way whatsoever. But I want you to understand, God is almighty. God is all-powerful. God is sovereign. God is still the same God that is sitting upon His throne, and He is high and lifted up, and there's absolutely nobody that's going to dethrone Him. Satan tried to dethrone Him. That didn't work out. Uh, the, the emperors of the world, they if they've tried to erase him off of the history books, that didn't work out. Friends, I want you to understand that he is almighty and all-powerful sovereign God. And when he sees fit to make a way, there's going to be a way, regardless of how impossible the situation ought to be. And so we're going to spend today and next week, we're going to be looking at the prayer that the Apostle Paul uh, prayed right here. And so, you know, when we look at that, I think it's important to look at biblical prayers because I, I can't tell you how many people that have had come up to me over the years and say, you know, Brother Rusty, how, how do you pray? I, I want to know how you pray. How, how are we supposed to pray? Well, same questions that the apostles uh, asked Jesus, you know, teach us how to pray. And so he gave them the example prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not something that's just to be quoted and just to be repeated. And we call that a prayer. That's not a, a prayer just, re, uh, just quoting that and just repeating that. But that is an example. That is guidance to us that we find from Jesus himself. And here we find uh, the apostle Paul praying, and that's also guidance. That is a, a, a guidance. He didn't give it to 
to us for that purpose. God didn't give it to us for that purpose. But we do find here uh, the Apostle Paul praying. The Apostle Paul, who is a mighty man of God, and as this mighty man of God is praying, we do find this as an example of prayer within the Bible. So what is one of the greatest things that you can do if you want to know how to pray? Well, look in the Word of God and find those example prayers within the Word of God and the things that they prayed. Well, we need to be praying for them as well. And so what was the Apostle Paul praying for? Well, he was praying for the church of Thessalonica, but before he even started praying for the church of Thessalonica, he started praying for himself. And so he was praying for himself, he was praying for his ministry team, which was also praying for the church of Thessalonica. So we find here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse uh, uh, 11, we find right here that the Apostle Paul says, he says, now may our God and Father himself, Jesus our Lord, direct our way to you. So that was the beginning of his prayer. So what was the very first thing he did? He prayed to God. He said, now may our God and Father himself, may God himself direct our way to you. And he also includes in there, and Jesus our Lord, he, as he includes this, I want you to understand. You know, do we pray in the name of Jesus? Do we, do, we, do we pray in the name of the Holy Spirit? Do we pray in the name of the Father? Well, the Bible tells us that all things are done in the name of Jesus. And so, yes, he included the name of Jesus. But I want you to understand, when we're praying, who are we praying to? We're praying to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God that is within us. Amen? And so we're praying through the fullness of God. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul was doing right here. As we see this, he says, uh, you know, as he, he, he gives this prayer to God, now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord. So he is including them really as one in the same right here. And what is his very specific prayer? He says to direct our Pass. He wants he wants God to direct our way to you. And, and so as we look at this, what exactly is that way? He says, our way to you. Now, right now it's an impossible situation. He can't come to them. He can't be with them. And the Apostle Paul had a very distinct purpose, a very clear purpose of why he wanted to be with them. And he stated that in verse 10. In verse 10, actually we begin in verse 9. He says, For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all of the joy which, which, which uh, we, uh, we rejoice before our God on your account? As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we seek your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Now, remember last week that we talked about the fact of why did that why, why did Paul send Timothy? Why did God is God's fellow worker in the gospel? Why did they uh, go there to strengthen them? Right to strengthen them and to encourage them. That was their purpose of Timothy going. Also wanted to find out how they were doing. He wanted to get some information about them, but Timothy went for that purpose of strengthening and encouraging them, and now that 
Paul has heard about how well they are doing, that they're thriving, they're growing in their faith, they're maturing in their faith. Now the whole world has heard about the, what is going on there in Thessalonica, and they're continuing to witness and share the gospel, and more and more people are being saved. But Paul says, I still want to come to you, and I want to minister to you so that I can impart to you the things that are lacking within your faith. Now, that wasn't a put down to the church of Thessalonica because as we begin to understand, every single Christian will know that as a Christian, as a child of God, you have things that are lacking in your faith. Amen? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you have been a Christian. It doesn't matter how much you have studied the Bible. It doesn't matter how many hours you have spent down on your knees before the throne of God. Anybody that ever says that they have a they have reached the pinnacle of Christianity and they are a mature man or they are a mature woman in Jesus Christ is walking in pride and they don't have a clue exactly how far away they truly are. You look at the Apostle Paul himself and uh, the, you know we, we realize this is a mighty man of God but what did he say about himself? He called himself a wretched man. Amen. I believe personally the closer you get to Jesus the more you realize you're messed up. Amen? You're messed up and you're lacking in your faith. So when we look at this and we recognize this, here it is. Paul wanted to go back to the church of Thessalonica to continue to minister to them, to help them in the areas in which they are lacking. But it was an impossible situation. He had been ran out of town. He had been ran out of the region. Completely ran out of Macedonia altogether, could not go back. It was absolutely impossible. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18. Let's remind ourselves of what the Word of God says there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18, he says right here, For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. And Satan hindered us. We couldn't come. I wanted to come. I wanted to come be with you. I wanted to come minister to you. I wanted to come help strengthen you. I didn't want to just send Timothy, but I wanted to be the one myself to come. Yet Satan hindered us. You know, Satan's busy. You know, if you're, you're just sitting at home twiddling your thumbs, not doing anything, you don't have to worry about Satan. Amen? You, you don't have to worry about the devil. He's not coming after you. You don't have to worry about those demons. You don't have to worry about those spiritual forces. They're not coming after you. You're no threat to them. Amen? But when you get busy doing the very things that God wants you to do, that's when you need to be on guard because Satan's coming after you. You're a threat to his kingdom. You're a threat to his domain. You're a threat to his lies and his trickery. So the moment you start seeking Jesus, first of all, to grow in your relationship with Him. I'm not trying to tell you this to scare you, but just to warn you so that you can be on guard. You watch out because He's coming after you. Amen? He's coming after you. He doesn't want you to have that heart and that mind and that desired zeal to pursue the things of God and to love Jesus. He's going to want to come and try to knock your feet out from under you. And the moment you stand up and say, I'm going to be a servant of God, and, and I'm going to serve him in whatever capacity that he's called me to serve him in. And it doesn't matter what capacity that is. 
He's going to come immediately and try to knock your feet out from underneath you. And if he can't get to you, he'll use other people as ways of blocking those doors. He'll come after you in all kinds of different directions. And so for the present time, he was successful. But God is almighty and all-powerful. Amen? Greater is he who's in you than he who is in this world. And so we don't have to worry about him. God's ultimate plan is going to come to fulfillment. And so here it was. What what was Paul doing? He had a door that was slammed right in his face. Everything was shut down. He was ran out of town. He ran out of town for his very own life. Threatened, don't you dare come back here because we're going to kill you uh, or we're going to imprison you. We're going to do something to you that is not going to be good. And so this door was slammed right in his face. What did he do? He didn't just throw his hands up in the air and say, well, I quit, I give up, there's no more hope. Nothing else can be done. What did he do? He went before the throne. Amen? He went before the throne. And as he went before the throne and he began to pray and he began to seek the face of God, what did he say right there in verse 11? He said, Lord, direct our way to you that the Lord would direct our way to you that he, that now uh, that God and, and the Father Himself and Jesus our Lord would direct our way to you. What in other words, what did He want to happen? He wanted that door that Satan shut that we talked about in uh, in chapter two and verse eighteen. He said He wanted that door opened again that they could come back and they could be exactly where God wants them to be. You know, the Bible says that God opened a door that no man will shut. He also shuts doors that no man can open. Amen? So we get all worried about the government. We get all worried about society. We get all worried about, you know, the, the, the structure and the order of things and the way things are within the world. And we, we, you know, we get high strung about that. But friends, we don't have to worry about a thing because God is still King of kings and Lord of lords. And guess what? He always will be. Nobody's ever going to dethrone him. And so regardless of what's going on, regardless of what might even be going on in your own home, you go before the throne and we know that's where the ultimate power is. Amen? And so he's going to make right what is now impossible. At the moment, it's an impossible situation. At the moment, there's no possible way. Paul cannot do this on his own. There's absolutely no way on his own that he could make this thing happen to where he could open the doors, to where he could go back into Macedonia, and he could go back into Thessalonica. There's no possible way on his own that he is capable of doing this. And some of us get put in that situation where we're standing before a door and there's no possible way we can open it. That door has been shut. That door has been locked. That door is now sealed. And though we have tried, though we have tried to kick that door and beat that door and knock our head against that door to where we just about knock ourselves out and make ourselves crazy over the situation, there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it whatsoever. But God can Amen? God can. 
He can make that impossible situation possible, and He is the only one that can do it. You know, I've seen churches today, uh, you know, after COVID, and, you know, we, we, we look at uh, where society is today. I've talked to pastors, especially as an evangelist, I've talked to a lot of pastors. A lot, a lot of them live in a defeated mentality, in a defeated state. Oh, we'll never reach this community. They're too far gone. We'll never reach those folks. They're too far gone. They're too deep within their sin or they're too deep within uh, the, the worldly lifestyle in which they live. And you know, we look at the world today and there's no doubt about it. You know, a lot of people got mad several years ago and when, when Barack Obama said that we're no longer a Christian nation. Well, I've got a newsflash for you. We're no longer a Christian nation. Amen? We're just not and we hadn't been for a while. And we need to recognize that we're living in the midst of a secularist, humanist nation. And that's where we are, the society in which we live. And we've been there for a while. And we look out at society, a society that has no regard for the things of God, no desire for the things of God. Don't, they never think about God. They pass this church, they pass every other church. They don't think about the things of God ever. Even though that those that were raised in church, that he is far from their mind. And we say, well, it's impossible to reach them. Well, not as long as God's sitting on his throne. Amen? You've heard my testimony. You know where I once was. I was that impossible soul to reach. I was that one that was so far out there that people said, you know, don't even bother with him. He is just too far gone. But I want to tell you today that what God said is possible is absolutely possible. It doesn't matter. Listen, if he could save me, if he could save Rusty Coon, the old wretched soul that I was, he could save anybody. Anybody. And we need to know that. I mean, we don't need to just know it right here. We need to know it right here. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter how deep, dark, and plunged into sin that they are. God can grab a hold of their life and pluck them up out of that sinful situation and turn them into a man or woman of God. We need to know that. And so here it was that not only did the, the, these pagans of Thessalonica get saved, they were now growing in their faith. So we ask ourselves the question, you know, what the, the Bible tells us very clearly in 1 John chapter 5, whatever we ask according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears Whatever we ask that is according to His will, then we have the request that's made known unto Him. We need to keep that in mind. It's, it's not me pray, praying for a gold-plated Rolls Royce or, or whatever. You know, God, give me that. You know, I don't want a gold-plated Rolls Royce, but I'd like to have one of those new Shelby Mustangs. You know, that'd be, that'd be pretty nice. Probably kill myself in it so the Lord knows I don't need it. But if I prayed for that, you think the Lord's going to give it to me? He could. He can go give me an old fleet of it. Amen, if he so chooses. 
But if that's not God's will for my life, guess what? It's not happening. I can pray all day, every day, night and day. But if that's not the will of God, it's not happening. But is it God's will for people to be saved? You better believe it's God's will for people to be saved. Amen? In fact, the Word of God tells us it's not God's will that even one should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. And God desired for everybody to come into repentance. Paul was desiring the church's spiritual growth, and as he was desiring the church's spiritual growth, we'll talk more about that next week, but is it God's desire for the church to grow spiritually? You better believe it's God's desire for every single believer to grow spiritually. Those are things that we absolutely know are the will of God. Now, we don't always know the will of God in certain situations. I talked to a man this past week. He was just diagnosed with stomach cancer. He's a Christian. He knows Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. If he was to die right now, he said he's all right with that. He doesn't want to die. He's got this stomach cancer. Doctors gave him six weeks to live. Sat in his house the other day talking to him, talking to him about that. Doctors say it's an impossible situation. I told him, I said, well, I'm going to be praying for your healing. But I can't guarantee you God's going to heal that man. Can't promise you that. Because I don't know God's will in that situation. He's saved and praise God that he's saved. God may heal him and God may not. I don't know. But what do we do in that situation? We do exactly what the Apostle Paul did. What did the Apostle Paul do? He said he prayed three times that the thorn in his flesh be removed until God said, I'm not going to do it. Amen? But he prayed for it in faith until God finally said, I'm not going to do it. After that third time. And so when we look at this and we begin to understand, you know, I believe there's a lot more things in God's will if we're not looking at things selfishly and self-centeredly and we're looking towards the kingdom of God and we're looking for His glory and His honor rather than our own. I believe there's a lot more things in God's will than we choose to give God credit for. Amen? And so we need to seek His will. Whatever we ask according to His will, He hears it. And if we hear, he hears us, we know that we have the request that is made known. Did God make this situation possible? In Acts chapter 20 and verse 1, the word of God says right there, After the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for his disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. Paul went back to Macedonia. Paul went back to Thessalonica. And, we, and Scripture records it right there in Acts chapter 20 and verse 1. The Word of God tells us absolutely this prayer was answered. God opened that door. What was impossible at that particular time, God opened the door and He made it possible. He opened the door for Him to be able to go back to the church and minister to the church. That the church would grow, and not only would the church grow, more people and Thessalonica would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. 
So we know it's God's will for people to be saved. Absolutely, it's God's will for people to be saved. We know that it's God's will for His Christians, for His children, His church to grow. Absolutely, beyond the shadow of a doubt, beyond question, that is His desire. And friends, those are some things right there we need to be praying for. We've got events coming up. Like I told you last week, we've got vacation Bible school coming up. God, save those children. Save them. Give them a heart for you that that they would just continue to thrive in you all of the days of their life. We also have uh, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames coming up in November. God, bring in a harvest of souls that are saved. But God, also grow them. Mature them. Make them to be mighty men and women of yours. So as we look at this, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's God's will. Friends, that's why we need to pray. Amen? That's why we need to pray. We've got some youth going to youth camp, leaving tomorrow. Six o'clock in the morning. Some of them just gasped when I said six o'clock in the morning. But they're going to be leaving. Amen. I pray that all of our youth that are going are saved. Know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but my prayer is if they don't, they'll get saved this week. My prayer is that every single one of them will come back as fireballs for the Lord. You know, see revival in the church. Get revival in the youth group, but guess what? It'll spread to the rest of the church. Amen. In fact, I like to study revivals. I like to read up on them. And the great majority of the great revivals of the past started through the young people. Amen? We need to pray for them. We need to pray for every ministry. We need to pray for every function. We have a lot of our young folks that come that their parents don't come. Let's pray for those parents. God, draw them in. Not that they feel obligated to be here, but they'd have a heart and desire to be here. Love and a passion for you. And if they're not saved, save them. And if they are saved, or when they do get saved, grow them. Amen? We need to pray for them. See, right now, things look impossible. But we're looking through eyes of the flesh. what we need to do is look through eyes of the Spirit. Maybe you've got an impossible situation. Maybe you have a child that is in sin. Maybe for years, for decades, you've been trying to share the gospel with them. Maybe a a brother or sister. Maybe even a mom or dad. Next door neighbor, friend, co-worker, it doesn't matter. Whoever it is. Or maybe it's a 
totally different situation, but right now it just seems to be absolutely impossible. And you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried, and there's nothing you can do about it. Brother Keith and Sister Kim come up here this morning. I want you all to stand. Would you this morning, this altar's open, or you can come up here, you could sit right there where you are at your chair, whatever God places upon your heart, and you could lay that down right here, right now, before the throne of the king knowing that he's the only one that could take care of whatever that situation is would you do that this morning maybe it's a loved one you want to see saved maybe it's somebody that slipped out of church that you want God, to draw back in and put them back on that walk, maybe. Just a circumstance, a situation you're going through in life and it's tearing you down. My suggestion to you this morning, friends, is that you need to stop trying to do it on your own. lay it at the feet of Jesus if he can I'm saved today I have no doubt because people were praying that I would be saved in fact they told me that they were praying that I'd get saved I even got mad at them when they told me they were praying that I would get saved but I praise God that they pray. Amen. Lay it down at the feet of Jesus today. I'm up here if you need to come up here. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If not, this morning, would you come to know him? I don't even know how. Well, come up here. I'd be more than happy to share with you how you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You come as God so leads.